Welcome to All Stars in Transit, where we talk travel to all stars, the people working behind the scenes at AirAsia. Travel is our common passion, and we'd like to share with you our stories, tips, and recommendations. I'm your host, Abby. This week, our guests are Greg and Rajan from the SEO team. Welcome to All Stars in Transit, Rajan and Greg. Hi, Abby. Thanks for having us. Hi, Abby. Happy to be here with you. So before anything else, I would like to ask you, how long have you been in AirAsia and in what roles? This July, will be, I'll be with AirAsia for five years. And I started off with uh, Travel360.com as the editor. And now I've moved to digital marketing doing SEO content. So for those who don't know, SEO is search engine optimization. That's right. Actually, what does that mean? That means we create content that people search for online using keywords that are generated by a system. So for example, I go to a search engine, I'm looking for a flight, what happens then? So you would search for flights to Bali, for example, and we would use as many keywords related to flights to Bali so that when you search for flights to Bali, our article will come up. Mm, Good to know, Greg. So Rajan, how about you? What's your journey in AirAsia been like? I have been with AirAsia coming to almost 12 years now. I started with the in-flight magazine, uh, which was called Travel360. So the first stint was for about four and a half years. Then I took a two-year break and then I rejoined. End of this year now is going to be another six years now. So all in almost 11 years, 11 and a half years with the company. And now I'm also with SEO. Uh, Actually, we call our unit the content unit, or we actually call it uh, customer journey, not so much content. And what, as Greg mentioned just now, we do content where what we write is SEO enhanced to bring the highest ranking for our article so that when people search for the material in like, for example, best flights to Bali, best best tickets, cheapest tickets, it's uh, the AirAsia material that goes up so that people can actually read that and get better ranking for our articles, our stories, and of course, our products. Yep, that's what uh, SEO, in a nutshell, that's what it is. Has it been a difficult transition from, you know, the world of print to digital? Yes, I would say so, because uh, both of us do not come from a technical background, do not come from a digital background. Uh, we have very much traditional publishing. It was a challenge, but um, we've been with SEO now for almost three years now. We've learned a lot. It's always a learning process. Digital technology is just transforming day by day. You keep learning new things. And yeah, it's, it's been an interesting journey, sometimes a bit frustrating, but it's always a learning process there. Learning here in AirAsia never stops, right? Certainly. Because everything changes Certainly. so often yeah. and so Very fast. Much so. Especially since this happened over the pandemic, correct? Yes, yes. correct. Yeah, we were learning. F- a lot of stuff from home, from away from our colleagues. So that was an added layer of difficulty. But again, technology creates the difficulty and then technology also provides the solutions for it as well kind of thing. So now we're going to go into <laughs> the fun part. <laughs> because uh, you, have, you two have been friends for some time. And about, about four years, I think. Maybe since the time I joined. Yeah, yeah so about, well, Maybe a little bit more than that. So about, maybe about six years. I think I hired you. Yeah. Yes, yes, you did. You hired me. Yes, I hired you. 
So now, because of your friendship, you've also traveled together uh, quite a bit. Yes, we have. Correct. What are the most memorable trips you've had together, and do you have any stories from those trips that you think are, you know, fun we memories? Certainly we certainly do. do. We do. <laughs> we certainly do. Greg, we're going to start off with our Manila trip. Sure. I think, uh, I think first, the most memorable trip that we've traveled together was to Manila. And this was with uh, another one of our ex-colleagues, Ari. So Rajan and Ari and I have uh, always traveled together. And this was most memorable because, first of all, it was difficult getting tickets to go into Manila because it was during the SEA Games. Mm, 2019. Yeah, Correct. SEA Games 2019, early Manila. December. Yeah. Manila was the host. And so we had to go into the airport at uh, maybe about 7 or 8 in the morning and stand in line to get tickets. And we finally got it, so we were very excited and we went to Manila. So four hours after that, we landed. And we were supposed to go for the opening ceremony of the SEA Games. But seeing that we were tired and in the taxi, and we were like, hmm, maybe we'll just go to a mall instead. We were also oh, a bit no. afraid because we're thinking like, okay, two Malaysians and one Indonesian in a sea of Filipinos. Hmm, we cannot be cheering too loudly for our own home country. So Ari went for the, the opening ceremony. We two decided... Let's go visit a mall instead. Wow. <laughs> and we've heard so much about Filipino malls. Is it? Oh, okay, that is an attraction by itself. And you know? we ate Jollibee. <laughs> of course. The first meal. It was the, the first, first meal. meal. Yeah. It was the first meal. It's usually also my first meal when I'm in Manila. <laughs> <laughs> you need to know. What happened at the mall? Anything interesting? Actually, why would you go to the mall? There were, the mall was actually quite close to where we were living, the Correct. hotel, where we were staying. Mm-hmm. It, it was like any old mall. It was busy and crowded, but I think that evening a lot of people were at home watching the opening ceremony. So the mall was relatively empty. But it was also Christmas time. Yes, it was close so, to Christmas yeah, time. Lights were, there were yeah. plenty of lights. Correct. The Christmas, Christmas deco was, yeah, was very up. beautiful. But I think something which I remember very clearly at the mall was there was this mural with all the former Miss uh, Philippines, Uni- the, the winners and all in that, their pose and everything. So... I was taking pictures, standing beside all those pictures. That's the only time I'll get to stand beside such gorgeous women. <laughs> Never mind the fact that they were actually drawn onto a wall. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the Philippines, there are a few national pastimes. Beauty pageants being yeah. one of them, <laughs> yeah. as you know. Yeah, so there's correct. basketball, karaoke. And yeah. Miss Universe and Miss World and Miss <laughs> yes. International. point where we were there... There were shows every night. They were discussing the the, the pageant uh, past winners and this year's winner. Where, I mean, this year's uh, contestant, whether she's going to make it, whether she's got what it takes, what who are her contenders. It was fascinating. On TV. On TV, there were shows every night. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> I mean, there are channels devoted to that on YouTube, yeah. but I didn't know that they would show that on exactly. TV as well. It was well. actually on TV. Yeah? Yeah. The, the Sea Games and the, our experience at the mall wasn't the highlight. The, oh. the highlight actually came in two days after the opening ceremony. Over to you, Greg. <laughs> this is something so mind-boggling. So uh, we were at Ayala. And we were going the mall to the as mall. well. And there was going to be a light show mm. at night. So we were there, I think, about five or six. We were just getting ready and getting a place to watch the light show. Uh, I think this is the Ayala Triangle Gardens, Correct. which yes, is walking ones. distance from Greenbelt, yep. which yes, is the well-known we uh, exactly. area, yeah. Glorieta yeah, and we Greenbelt. Yes. Yeah, so we had had tea and then we were just coming to watch the light show. 
And then all of a sudden, I get a message on my phone, and I had take a look, and the it's message says that no, it's in, oh, it was in English. Oh, yeah. right. Was saying that our flight had been cancelled. Our flight was at twelve p.m. the next day. So this was on Sunday evening, and our flight was on Monday afternoon at twelve. So naturally, we freak out because we don't know what to do, and we need to get back. I tell the boys that we had there is a midnight flight. Let's go and aim to get that. And if not, there is a five a.m. flight, so we can. If we don't get the midnight flight, let's be on standby for the five a.m. flight. When we were waiting for the light show, and when that message came, the seven thousand people who had gathered to watch the show all got that alert that there is a typhoon barreling its way towards Manila, and everybody <laughs> was freaking out and trying to escape. Yeah. To get out from that, so that's why our flight and was cancelled. Correct, yeah. and we couldn't get a taxi to go back to our hotel. We were near Intramuros. Intramuros, correct. Yeah, Intramuros. And so we need to get back, grab our stuff, and then get back to the airport and hopefully get a flight out that night. Oh my gosh! And that that <laughs> I still remember very vividly when we were seated there, and like literally seven thousand handphones started beeping, <laughs> and everyone's picking up their handphone, and everyone's their expressions are changing because. Calamity is coming your way. Go find a safe place. And yours was English, but ours was all coming in yeah. Tagalog. We had no idea what it was saying, you know. But we knew we needed to get back, <laughs> get out now, you know. Somehow we managed to hail a taxi. Yeah. We couldn't we, get a e-hailing. Yeah. So we got this random uncle who was in the middle of the street, and then we stopped him and said, "Can you take us back to our hotel?" And he said, "Okay." And then we got in quickly, and then. And he was for some reason driving really slowly, <laughs> and we were like, "Oh my God, can he please yeah, hurry this up?" This is the street here. This is the building. Can we please hurry up? Like we need to. So we get back to our hotel, and it's like in a little, little so it's an alleyway off yeah. the main road. Yeah. So we tell him like to stop us at the main road so we can run in because otherwise it'd be yeah, too much of a, a huge loop for him yeah. to go in. Yeah. And we run out, and we go into the lift. Into the hotel, and then Rajan realizes he has left his Where's phone in the phone? car, <laughs> and no. we're like, "Oh no!" We're like, "Okay, let's run out," and we run out and try looking for the taxi guy, but we can't find him anywhere. And then we're like, oh, "What do we do?" And then Rajan's like, "I think the worst case scenario is I'll just go back and get a new phone." We couldn't see the cab. We wouldn't know how to find him. And that that distance from that main road to our alley was so far away. He's probably already reached Mindanao Island by that point. <laughs> no. <of> it. <laughs> it's like literally there was no way to like you know. And Awari was like, okay, now we need to get away from the hotel and go to the airport. Handphone important or getting home safely important? Ah, never mind. Just it, it's a gone case. Let's just get back home. And then by miracle, by sheer luck. <laughs> That man made a U-turn and he came hunting for us. He didn't even know which hotel we were in because there were a few hotels in that road. Right. And he and started honking he, from outside. Yeah, he came hunting, stopping by at every hotel, looking because he found the handphone on the on the floor of his car. Good Lord, this is like God sent. You know, this is a miracle because he could have just one just driven away. And secondly, why should he have bothered to come hunting for us? And thirdly, the fact that he actually found us—it was just yeah. amazing. And then he said the phone kept ringing; he couldn't even answer because Ari was calling him because it was locked. Ah. So he didn't know how to answer it. He didn't know how to answer it right. because because it was code locked. 
and and yet he found me and he gave me the phone. Oh man, this is a miracle. <laughs> that was our Manila miracle. <laughs> but then we still then had to rush to the airport and then and uh, get into the waiting list uh, for the flight out because I think there were three or four people uh, in front waiting of us and everything. Yeah. So, but okay, eventually we got the flight and we left Manila that night. But guess what? The next day, we call our friends in Manila and say, "Are you guys okay?" And they said, "Yeah, we are playing volleyball by the ocean." <laughs> what are you all doing? But you know, typhoons are quite large, so yeah. it might take hours before the actual like hands of Abby, the typhoon. It didn't even rain after that. <laughs> it really made a U-turn and swerved and went somewhere else. Okay, maybe not in Manila, <laughs> but it sounded like you know. And the saddest part, he wanted to buy some hamon, hamon, <laughs> because it was Christmas time. <laughs> I wanted to get hamon, and we kept saying no. Let's buy it on the last day. Let's buy it on the last day. You know. And and get a chance to buy so I still, hamon. I still haven't got my hamon. <laughs> so frozen Christmas ham. Some other time. Or maybe you'd have to settle for the real thing. Any ham will do. We'll, we'll we go, go back to, to Manila, Manila. <laughs> for hamon. And corned beef. And yeah. corned beef, yes. Yes, corned beef. That's so odd because in, here in Malaysia, I don't think corned beef is as big a no. deal. No, it's very expensive yeah. as yeah. well. Whereas in Manila, anything canned is actually very common. So sardines, ah. mm. spam, uh, actually luncheon meat and corned beef are common staples. They're morning food. So they go with your rice, your oh, garlic okay. rice right. and uh, your fried egg, uh, the silog silog. So sometimes it can be corned delicious. beef silog. Mm-hmm. I've got okay. plenty of corned beef. I'm hungry, Abby. <laughs> no, now we start making plans to go to Manila <laughs> and find uh, monsoon off-season. <laughs> did you get to do anything apart from the malls? Oh, yes, we did. did we? Oh, uh, yeah. Intramuros was amazing. Yeah, Intramuros. We went to such, the Such Augustine beautiful church. churches and cathedrals. Yes, and that was yeah. that festival that was taking place, remember? San Santa Maria Marian, Day. Marian Festival or something. Yeah, uh, there was a procession. Oh. Yeah. It was and celebrating the Virgin yeah. Mary, you mm-hmm. know. So it was dancers and then uh, and then uh, small ch- chariot cars and Proce- yeah, the processions and all that. Very processions. Oh, that was beautiful. And it was just by chance. We just happened to be there, and then it it was just starting. So it was, we were like, oh, this is cool, and it was very nice to watch that happening and just uh, right in front of us. The only sad thing is that we couldn't go to the Manila uh, Museum. It was closed on that day. Right. At the yeah. National Museum. The National Museum. Museum. Yeah. yeah. That ah. was closed. Yeah. Right. But we went to the St. Augustine Museum in Intramuros. That was we also very did the nice. Rizal Park, the Rizal monument, Park. Yeah. Uh, the memorial as well. Yes. Uh, we went to a few churches. Um, another one in Quiapo. Oh, right. The Black Nazarene. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that was that. beautiful. Mm. That is a pilgrimage site. Very important. And they say it's uh, got very strong healing you know, powers. Healing powers. Healing powers yeah. If you have a prayer or any wish that you want granted, you pray at Quiapo, Baclaran, and I think there's another church, I forget which one, oh. which are very powerful and people go there. Like There are devotees who go I there. I didn't know that. Remember the part where one of the church members told that you can't go in and touch the, the actual uh, uh, statue yeah. of the Christ, but you can do the other one outside, outside. the replica. Mm. Ah, yes. Uh, that you can make your you know your personal uh, your prayers and all where you can actually touch the statue there you know I think the the main statue is outside outside but the black the actual, actual statue is inside mm-hmm. and also the black Nazarene every January they have a massive procession which usually typically have 
one million people out in the streets wow. through the streets of Manila going very slowly, slowly for that day. Okay, that's oh. a human is, traffic jam. Then. Yes, yeah. it's a photographer's aerial dream, you know, because you see all the people and if you can get a spot like in a higher place, ah, ah. you will see like a massive sea of people and then the black Nazarene and the people trying to protect the image wow. uh, around okay, it. All right, okay. But we were in another place which was equally crowded, Divisuria. Divisoria. <laughs> but that is more for shopping. It's a market. It's like, okay, yeah. it's not as spiritual. It's a very worldly place. But we were fascinated with the shops outside selling literally everything, everything yeah. under the sky from decoration to costumes to, to cheese boards. Yeah, it's really... Cheese boards? Cheese boards. Yeah. I, I regret not buying a cheese board. It was really <laughs> fun. And then the mall inside itself is huge. We had, we had dinner there. Yeah. And we met some local Lunch. friends as well there, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like a replica of Mabung Krong from Thailand, from mm-hmm. Bangkok. But I think Divisuria is larger. Is it? It, it felt large. Ah. It felt huge, you know? But even around Kiapo, there are so many people selling all sorts of things Oh, too. yes, yes, we did. We went into the market. Mm. Plus the wet market. The wet market, the back yeah. There. Right. Yeah. And that's where we ended up buying our fruitcake. Ah. Because like every supermarket we saw, we went in. Oh, we we did take the train. We took the well. train. We took yeah. the train as well. Uh, the LRT is it? Yeah, and then we even took a bus. Yeah, we took a bus. We took and a the jeepney. jeepney we as took well. a train. Oh, the yeah. jeepney was fantastic. We really yeah. enjoyed fantastic. it. Fantastic. Especially giving the the money to the last person in the in the jeepney. Right. That, that's how they collect the fare. Yes. Yes. Like, so yeah. you pass. From the back, you pass the money from to person to person to until yeah. it reaches the yeah, driver. Yeah. That was fun. It was that fun. Was fun yeah. So that was Manila. Oh, that was Manila. That was Manila. I heard you also went to Silangit. Oh, yes. Le- for that Lake Toba. was a scary experience. Scary? <laughs> How come? The tail end was scary, actually. Yeah. Getting there and uh, it was a long journey, actually. Well, not so much the flight because it was just about an hour. 40 minutes. And then from the airport to the Toba, Lake Toba. It was about two uh, hours, yeah, two, two and a half hours yeah. drive. And then another hour to the island Toba by boat. Island Samoser Island. Yeah, Samoser. And then there we were, it was just relatively uneventful. Peaceful, peaceful quiet. Yeah. Plus it was also like off-season. 20, yeah, 2019. Uh, well. So yeah. uh, tourism was a bit like, you know, lacking at that point. It was very quiet, so... Nice chalets, but pretty empty. You literally had the whole island and the lake to yourself. It was beautiful, literally. like beautiful, stunning, Correct. very Lake Toba peaceful. It's a place where people should go. But Lake Toba is also like supposed to be as big as Singapore. Yes, no, not as big Bigger. as Singapore. It's the it's the biggest volcanic lake, and it is also the deepest volcanic lake in the world. Lake Taupo in New Zealand is as big as Singapore. Toba is, is like super huge. So meaning it's much larger oh, than Singapore. Oh, certainly. <laughs> it's huge, you know. Wow. But it's, it's quite a fantastic uh, place to visit and, and the, the, the natural beauty and the Batak culture of that area as well. Right. We went to the, mm. the, the, the museum, the cultural, cultural center, village, yeah. and we went to some, some uh, waterfalls and everything. Yeah. All that was the perfect holiday, but the, the return journey was the one which literally... <laughs> Almost killed us. <laughs> Almost killed what? us. Because our flight was something like 9 in the morning, return yeah, flight from nine. Silangit Airport. And we need to be at the airport two hours before. Uh, from Toba, you need to leave the island literally two and a half hours before 
so that you reach the airport on time to catch your flight. But the first ferry out of that Samosir island on the lake was only at about 7.30. Yeah, about 7.00. So if we had taken the first ferry, we would have not made it to the airport at all. And the next flight was the next day. So we spoke to our hotel uh, owners and said, we need, how do we do this? He said, oh, don't worry, Pak. There's taxi service. Because um, Samosir Island, that, that island on Lake Toba, is connected to the mainland with, on, with a tiny piece of land. Tiny, so yeah, it's actually <coughs> an island, but there's a, like, literally a piece of land, maybe 20 feet long, which connects. It's, uh, a, it's, land a, it's, a, it's a land bridge. Yeah. So you can actually drive, but you have to make a full circle of the island and, and get to wherever you're going uh, out of the island. So we decided to take the taxi and like left like 5 in the morning. So this is Highlands, Indonesia. Uh, it's very foggy in the morning. It's dark. It's uh, dense with, with you know dense. It's very forested with dense jungle. And it's then very wet. As yeah, well. it's extremely wet. Yeah. And our brief to the driver is get us to the airport by nine o'clock. So what did he do, Greg? <laughs> like Speedy Gonzalez, he's bad. <laughs> and to cross over, you are not going to be going through lowland. You have to climb a ridge get to the highest point on the mountain ridge and drive all up to about 30-40 kilometers on that ridge and yeah. then you climb down and go down to Silangit uh, township area. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is actually uh, traveling on top of a mountain ridge. Isn't that beautiful? If Very. you could see, because it was oh. just covered in fog. Yeah, it was like true. Uh, true. 6 in the morning. Quite dark. It was a dark. It was yeah. pretty dark. But you know, you can see the, the early mornings of early morning sunlight is you know dawn is like breaking. Yeah. But the scary part, you know, Greg, if you remember how he was speeding yeah. on that wet road, literally avoiding the edges of the ravine, and we were like saying every prayer in our <laughs> respective religious books. That was scary. But bless that man, he got us to the airport on the dot safely. Much later, we found out the flight was much, much, much later now. So you don't have to... You've got enough time to take a leisurely drive out of Lake Toba back to civilization, <laughs> And no one will be driving you on a ridge and then, and, you know, like giving you a roller coaster ride, <laughs> the ride of your life kind of thing. So do you have this habit of actually going to a place just when the route opens? We, we wanted to do Silangit very badly, uh, especially we wanted to do Lake Toba. And it was like so near. It's like, you know, you got one of the wonders of the world there we had Malaysia and literally across the pond so to speak you know like you better go and do it quickly you know uh, we can fly to Lake Toba via Medan or rather we can fly to Medan and then catch a road journey to Toba but Sea Langit was even closer like mm -mm. I let this opportunity go you know do go Lake Toba is just an amazing yes. place as in many places like even like Bukit Tinggi and all those those mountainous highland areas in, 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 in Indonesia in Sumatra simply out of this world what was the other one, Greg? The third one, which we had a very interesting experience. Not Jakarta, right? Yes, Jakarta. Oh, Jakarta, yes. yeah, it was Jakarta. Yeah, this was last was year. Jakarta. Yeah, we spent New Year's in Jakarta. We went to Jakarta thinking that a lot of Jakartans, if there's such a word to yes. describe people from Jakarta, they go back to their hometowns during the holidays, during the New Year's. That's what we were told. So we thought, yeah, okay, Jakarta wouldn't be so busy. Uh, totally forgetting that Indonesia is one of the most populous countries in the world. Their idea of not busy is like 7 million people in a, in a football field. <laughs> that is their idea of not a busy day. So we were in that very famous area called Bundaran, Indonesia. Uh, Bundaran. Nur Hai. 
H I, which is pronounced differently in yeah. Indonesian. Yeah, it's the huge roundabout in the center of Jakarta where it's like literally it's like point zero of the city kind of thing where all the occasions and events take place and there was this massive celebration on New Year's Eve. So we stayed somewhere nearby and we said, oh, we are going to have a lovely time. We got out at uh, one of the train stations before and we thought we'd walk. So we were walking and. And then we can see like a sea of people coming little by little by little by little and we were like, oh wait, they're all coming towards us. I, oh. I, imagine, Abby, uh, the road that leads to that roundabout, they are like six, six lanes, lanes each? Yeah, about six lanes. This is huge, huge boulevards in the city. Yeah. <clears throat> this is like smack in the city, you know, and these are the normal roads. And now imagine you're facing a wall <laughs> of human beings walking resolutely towards you while you are trying to walk away. In the opposite direction. I'd be scared. It was. It was suddenly you realise that this is literally a sea of people that's going to crash into you and they're just going to make their way because they're all heading to that event location. And we thought like, yeah, it's a bit too busy, it's too crowded. Let's go and, and just you know, like, and, and pop a bottle of wine uh, in our room and enjoy the, 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 the what do you call that the fireworks, the fireworks yeah right. but that was like oh then you realise that okay Jakarta is a very busy city it's a very heavily populated city yeah at one point we got to the roundabout where everything was and we couldn't move actually and it was so difficult and like the sidewalks had stalls set up so people were actually eating there as well so it made it even more difficult to get through and then, uh, so we were like pushing and shoving each other and then like trying to make our way and then and, and well, not to I, lose I, each other I in the process. I go to Batu Caves every year. So for I know Taipusa, For Taipusam. So I know what a crowd is, but I was not prepared for this. So if you can imagine, the Batu Cave crowd and then times 50. <laughs> I cannot imagine. I don't oh, think I have seen. It was like, literally like, you know, like all seven million people walking towards you kind of thing. Especially with a lot of accidents happening and all these stampedes that you hear about. Oh, yeah. Now Correct. I would be yes. so scared. Correct. It, it was congested. Yeah, it was crazy. You, at one point, you could barely move. Yeah. Correct. Literally yeah. neck to neck kind of mm. thing. If you've just joined us, you're listening to All Stars in Transit, where we talk to the people working behind the scenes at AirAsia. My name is Abby, and today I'm speaking to Rajan and Greg of the SEO team. Since we've been talking about your group travels, tell me about individually your favorite trips with or without each other. Um, okay, my favorite trip would be Barcelona. Wow. Which I went last year. For me, that was... Uh, I had been wanting to go to Barcelona for like the longest time. And uh, I finally did last year. So, a uh, lot of research. I was also very scared because of what I read about pickpockets and um, thieves and all that. Scammers and everything. But I think uh, I prepared myself enough to be aware of my surroundings. Because I'm not the most observant person. I can be quite oblivious at times. But in this instance, I think I was very attentive to my surroundings. And uh, I also stayed in a non-touristy area, but which had everything. There were restaurants, there were bars, there were pharmacies, pretty much anything you wanted, you could get there. So it was a, a good decision to stay there. And it was close to two metro stations. So yeah, I did uh, everything I wanted to do in Barcelona, the Sagrada. The beach. 
the beach yeah. Sagrada Familia was the, just amazing going into it and seeing it in the flesh was like uh, ultimately like so such an like a dream come true this was, was so in good. the summer there was this in summer yeah so it was very hot as well but I didn't really mind the heat uh, which is why I would, I would hit the beach like almost every day that was really fun uh, food was amazing uh, I had my first paella in Barcelona which was everything I imagined it to be oh fantastic and of course uh, cava with every meal so ah. which was like what three, three euros or four euros which was just nothing so uh, ate a lot drank a lot visited a lot of things had so much fun Greg I remember you telling me about that retreat that you also did when you were in Barcelona right. right yeah so I did a yoga and meditation retreat as well it was actually a week long retreat but I just went for three days that was really fun because um, it was hour-ish away from Barcelona it was in Pinedes so it's this mountainous area uh, where they grow gra- the grapes that make cava. So, um, yeah, it was a very quiet, very zen place. Uh, to After a week-long city exploring, it was nice to recalibrate, sit down and just uh, chill, uh, do some yoga, breathing exercises. And it was in a very packed schedule, so we would have uh, yoga, breathing exercises in the morning. And then we would be free until the afternoon where we'd have a workshop and then a free time and then another workshop in the evening. And that was it. So it was nice. I really enjoyed that. It was very good. And then I ended my trip in Sitges, the beach town. And that was just a lot of beach, a lot of partying. And that, that was basically it. So yeah, Barcelona. That was my favorite trip. You got everything that you wanted. I got, it was everything I imagined it to be and so much more. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Perfect trip. Perfect, yeah, perfect trip. Do you go to other yoga retreats as well? Uh, no, this was my first. Yeah, ah. I've wanted to do a silent retreat for the longest time, but I still haven't found the guts to do it yet. What happens during a silent retreat? Um, so the one I actually want to go to is in. Uh, it's an hour away from Bangkok, and it's for twelve days. So uh, you wake up at five. You have a round of meditation. And then a round of yoga, and then you have breakfast, and then you do some chores, then there's more meditation, and then your last meal of the day is at uh, noon, and you don't have anything until morning, the next morning. So yeah, and the entire time you are not allowed to talk, you're not allowed to write, read, no communication with anyone, no eye contact. So you are just left alone with your thoughts for 12 days. I don't think I can do that. Yeah, this is it's exactly really why I am still contemplating. I want to do it at some point, but I want to start maybe like with a weekend first and then build up to it. What is the appeal of this for you? Uh, I think it's a challenge, like how comfortable you can be with yourself and also how much of your thoughts you are comfortable with because I've heard stories of people just breaking down and crying because their thoughts are just too much to handle. Well, I think it also like tests how strong you are as a person because you have nothing. You are you don't have anything. It's just you and your thoughts and yourself. There you may be surrounded by people but then you have nothing else. So it's a I think it's a good challenge to see how quiet and how comfortable you are with your thoughts and Maybe let you take control of your thoughts for a change and see how that works. 
This is run by an uh, organisation, is it? Yeah, it's, um, it's a monastery actually. So it's a, a monastery in uh, Bangkok. Like, well, a Buddhist monastery? A Buddhist monastery, okay. yeah. Swanmok. And, and do you pay for this uh, retreat? Um, the last uh, I checked, it was about 300 it? ringgit. You don't sign up. You show up the day before. It runs from the 1st to the 12th of every month. So you show up on the day before. So either the 30th, the 31st, 28th or 29th, depending. And then you just say, I'm here for this retreat. Here's my fee. And then start the next day. Quite amazing. Wow. Yeah. 12 days. 12 days, yeah. It's a long time. It's a long time. But yeah. I think all of us had a sampling of that during the pandemic, especially those who live alone. You had your sort own silent like, retreat. Yeah, in a way. <laughs> in a way, but you had your TV and your, your, your gadgets and stuff like that. A, a very weak sampling of that experience. <laughs> it would be interesting, I, I especially now that yeah. we're so attached to our gadgets. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah correct, that. Yeah, because our phones are constantly with us and you're not allowed to, of course, have no your gadgets phone with at you. All, right? So yeah. you... Uh, check it in at the reception and then for 12 days no whatsapp no instagram nothing okay thanks for that greg how about you rajan what was your most memorable trip so far i did this i I traveled quite a bit in southeast asia region i mean i love bali i love bangkok um i love lake toba even penang is my favorite destination but last year i had the opportunity to visit varanasi India. Wow. Yes. Uh, something that I wanted to do for a very long time, and I got the opportunity. Air Asia doesn't fly to Varanasi, even though we do have flights to India. So, what I did is that we flew, myself and my friend of mine, we flew into Kolkata. From there, we took a train, almost like an 11 hour ride uh, from Kolkata. We didn't get down at Varanasi first. We went further up, closer to Delhi, to a city called Allahabad. They've sort of like renamed it as Prayagraj. So this is the place where the three rivers, the three biggest, actually there's two, the third one is mythical, uh, rivers meet. And it's a very holy site. If you have heard of this festival called the Kumbh Mela, yes, that's a big which happens one. every 12 years one, that is a spot where the Kumbh Mela takes place. I'm a Hindu, and for Hindus to take a dip in the confluence of the Ganga, the Yamuna, and the mythical Saraswati is considered one of the holiest things that you can do. So we got down there. Uh, did our prayers and everything and then took our dip in this was in December it was winter <laughs> the water was icy cold but it's always mind over matter you know and once you go mm. into the water like this is not really that bad you know but oh, getting into the boat and rowing to that point where the three rivers meet and the Ganga is a super swift river whereas the Yamuna is very languid and you can see the colours and the two waters are different and then to dip into it and then you come and then you sit back onto the boat and they row you back to the banks that was quite an amazing experience then after that we came further to the further east where we arrived at Varanasi I stayed at a hotel a guest house which was right on the banks of the river I mean we always hear about Varanasi being a spiritual place yes. and, but to experience that and, and to drinking the beauty and the spirituality and the calm of that portion of that river where the city of Kasi or Varanasi is. Actually, words cannot quite describe it. I am basically someone who finds it very difficult to get up in the morning. But every day I could get up like at 6 o'clock in the morning before the sun rises. I would just run down to the guts, the steps. You sit down and you wait for the sun to come up. And not only the sun comes up and then you know and then lights up the world around you, life starts 
see people coming and you know they're having their bath there and all those uh, what do you call the swamijis and the mendicants and the travelers cleaning up sitting down meditating and boats passing by prayers bells chiming it's such an amazing experience to the senses and of course the incense that's being burnt everywhere and and other things also of course there are also cremation grounds nearby oh. so it's all part and parcel of that experience and the colors of that place oh it's the most vivid colors that you would see the reds and the oranges and the vermilions and the scarlets you know it's it's just so out of this world and the amazing thing is that you don't have to be a hindu to to really appreciate appreciate this you know it's just such a sensorial ex- experience that anyone and everyone can experience that in the evenings they've got something called the ganga aarti where they do offering of prayers to the ganges itself because of hindu the ganges is a mother she's the mother who sustains life so they have this huge waving of fire lamps at the evening and the whole towns get together and sit down and then they wave and they sing songs you know and it's just like purely magic kind of thing you know so that was like a super super highlight and after that i went off to gaya and bodh gaya bodh gaya is famous for lord buddha's uh, spot of enlightenment there's a huge temple dedicated to him and the tree where he sat down and was enlightened is still there it's cordoned off but you can actually be literally like 5 feet away anyone who has never meditated in their life who has never experienced meditation peace calm and quiet sit down there and within 2 seconds you go into meditation it is that strong and you see the world all kinds of buddhists from all over the world from from westerners to tibetans to sri lankans to chinese japanese everyone sitting there and chanting peacefully that was just another amazing experience and nearby there's another city called gaya gaya is the holy site for hindus as well and there's another holy river there as well where people offer prayers and all and that was yet another experience so being able to do kolkata uh, allahabad Varanasi, Gaya, Bodh Gaya, and then back to Kolkata. Another thing that people who go to India must do, they must do train travel. Train travel <laughs> in India is just the most amazing experience, you know. And the trains are pretty modern nowadays, you know. So you get very good experience, very good service, very comfortable, and they feed you. They got snack plates being delivered to you, dinner plates being delivered to you, you know. It was such a good experience. It's a very common thing for Indians to travel by train. So uh, the trains are something like which. 40 coaches and whatnot. You can't see the end of the train kind of thing, you know. But that experience of traveling in train in India and going to these places and arriving in Varanasi at two in the morning, it's deserted railway station and all that, you know. It's it's yeah, that that was my most memorable experience. That is something that I would probably put in my bucket list as Let's well. Let's go together. I'll take you. It's it's all that that you imagine and more. Sounds great. So, what are your travel tips or hacks? For me, like have a an itinerary, but also leave room for like certain things that might just happen impulsively, or things that you decide you want to do, or leave one or two days free, so that maybe you can go back to a certain place, or you can do something new, or someone you meet along the way tells you to go to a certain place. Don't jam pack your itinerary. Also, give yourself time to rest, because then you know you get recharged, and then you can go and do more stuff, especially in summer. I've been guilty of that, you know, trying to cram as much into an itinerary of like a few days, and then when you come back, you feel like you need a holiday Correct. from the holiday. Exhausted from the experience. Yeah. You know? 
having an itinerary is not bad but you should just pick one two or maximum three very important things that you want to do you want to see you want to experience but leave the rest of it to where that the path not taken takes you kind of yep. thing you know exactly don't don't plan so many because you're not going to enjoy it and and package travel is actually particularly challenging where they squeeze so many things into it mm-hmm. you will never be able to experience and enjoy they probably give you one hour in a museum and if you are a museum lover you will be cursing at your travel guide correct what can you see what can you do in one hour mm-hmm. you know maybe pick two or three items that it's must do go spend your time at this very touristic place for example then go and explore i i love to walk through uh, wet markets in cities and towns that i go to like that is like an amazing experience you know you really get to see how the locals live and you if you are daring enough you can try their food you can buy speak their language if you want to and it is a photographer's delight rajan since you mentioned a uh, markets do any particular markets come to mind If you go to Jogjakarta it's on Malioboro street the market is called Bringharjo ah, it yes. is the most amazing local market the ground floor is like um they got a wet market section at the back but they also sell batik and arts and craft and and traditional jewelry and upstairs is all dried goods and you'll just have so much fun walking in the batik there is dirt cheap and it's handmade good quality stuff brilliant brilliant place In Bangkok it's in Chinatown it's an area called Chakrapong it's near the Hualampong station it's yes. also an amazing uh, market which also houses a flower market so you just imagine the sea of flowers there as well you know beautiful places that you must of course like even malls in in Bangkok they always um, they are all very theme. thematically done up Icon Siam which is one of the latest malls on the lower ground floor they've got a floating market selling food so it's you can't go to that floating market so like 30 kilometers out yeah. of bangkok so they try to recreate that and it's a brilliant tourist attraction you get to taste all the local food and everything in air condition comfort <laughs> so that's actually quite a nice experience as well like a market as a well, floating market you know and bangkok now has got all those open air uh, markets as well like like your chatucha and the jot fair and what not so these are some of the things Uh, Delhi has got many many markets uh, Chandni Chowk is one of the biggest markets you will go crazy shopping there's actually so many in Delhi and the beautiful thing about Delhi markets they are all along the their metro lines so it's very easily accessible you know just find your way which station you need to get down get on and walk you know and english is widely spoken there are no issues there you know how about you greg any markets that come to mind oh, i i think You're going to say the one in Barcelona, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, Last I was Ramblas. thinking about the one in uh, Melbourne. Victoria oh, Market. Victoria Market. Yeah, you forgot yeah, to yeah. mention that. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How can I? Yeah. What's so, at Victoria Market? Victoria Market has plenty of food. Because we went to Melbourne together one year as well. And then uh, we decided to go there for breakfast. And there was this particular deli that I like from my previous trip, I noticed. And she has the most amazing Greek food. So it's um, cheese wrapped with salmon and vine leaves and um, hummus and all sorts, the most delicious things. And I remember when we went there, we bought like a whole bunch of things. Obviously being too greedy because we couldn't finish a lot of it. And then on top of it, we bought sausage rolls yes. and then we bought bread, pies, and, what, pies yeah. and all that. And then we were sitting at the, the entrance and it was uh, winter, so it was really cold, but we were sitting outside in the sun and... 
eating and then we were like mm, don't think we can eat anymore <laughs> so we packed it and then we took it back to our apartment and we had it for breakfast the next day <laughs> it's this beautiful uh, market which is half is produce market and the other mm. half is uh, it's like a souvenir kind of, yeah. Yeah, souvenir as well souvenir. Ah. but that, the part that you were talking is actually the one that like, uh, houses all the from gourmet food there's, there are butchers there there are fishmongers mm. sort uh, of like artisan things yeah it's an artisan yeah. market kind of thing and this is like the finest of Melbourne food scene kind of thing you know this is a market it's not a restaurant or anything and, and coffee, places, coffee places and, and uh, gelato gelaterias mm. and whatnot. it's all housed inside that building so you you eat you walk 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 go and buy fresh vegetables in the produce market buy your chorizo then, yeah <laughs> then you come back and you eat you have your coffee have your wine there you know I think it's like the thing every tourist who go to Melbourne yeah. end up doing, you know. So it's a very popular tourist destination. Right, it's like in Melbourne City. Something you should not miss at all. Yeah, I would, you know? if you like food, then you definitely yeah, need to. Yeah, correct, yeah. yeah. Go and you go crazy when you look at all the fruits which are being sold at the fresh produce yes. market, like strawberries and... Raspberries. Yeah, and everything is like a dollar a punnet and two dollars a punnet. Cherries. Right? Mangoes, mangoes from New uh, Queensland. Yeah. With all of that, how do you stay on budget, though? Well, I, I think I speak on behalf of you as well. We are not the type of people who go and like shop, shop. It's always like buying food stuff yeah. and, and you know, not to go and shop for clothes. Yeah, it's the experiences we get out of that, and it's mainly food and and, and drinks and and you know, those kind of stuff. So that doesn't really cost much when you're buying yeah. from these kind of marketplaces, you know. Uh, we eat from from roadside eateries and whatnot. We we are perfectly fine with that. Of course, you're always careful with hygiene, so mm. it doesn't really cost you that much. I think most we spend on is buying food to yeah, bring it's back. It's always food, yeah. yeah, yeah. Food to eat there and then food to bring back. Yeah. You remember in Jakarta, we went to the Jamu Cafe mm. in the in Kota Lama. The Indonesians are very proud of their Jamu culture. Oh, I like Jamu. And they are now innovating it. So what they're doing is they are modernizing. Uh, that, that product and they're selling it in cafes they don't sell coffee they don't sell tea they sell jamu and jamu based products so you get the, the goodness of jamu but presented in a modern way and and it tastes delicious mm. and it's something like you know and they, they turn it into a working space and everything you can sit there and sipping your 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 spiced jamu drink you know and yeah, that doesn't, was doesn't never cost much. Before. Yeah, yeah, doesn't cost much. And this was in Kota Lama, where the the old section of the city yeah. was very pretty as well. So jamu is herbal, isn't yep. it? So herbal. different combinations of herbs are they medicinal? They are medicinal. Uh, it's all meant to to do you know uh, relieve some ailments. Treat, treat you basically, yeah. you know, various things. But a lot a lot of it is also for well being. Just not treating something, just for general well being. But they know how to also make it palatable. The, the real Jammu seller who carries it on her back or in a basket and walks around, gives you the hardcore stuff, will be super bitter. Ah. And that one is like really hardcore stuff, you know. But this is like the more modernized, the more gentil way of <laughs> introducing it to plebs like us. You know? <laughs> so it'll be something that, you know, you easily can buy into. You like the culture. It's very uh, appealing and very approachable as well. And affordable as well. So it's something they are very proud of and they want people to also partake in it. And you see all these young hipster people enjoying Jammu and go like, but Jammu is such an old-fashioned thing, but right. see how innovatively they are they are selling it now, you know. And celebrities endorse these Jammu products and stuff like really? that. Really? They've candid, they even sell it at duty-free shops now. 
So now it's also something that you would bring back as a yeah. souvenir. As a souvenir, correct. It's like a yeah. real Indonesian product, jamu kind of thing. I remember that in hotel rooms, you'd also find the powdered yes, version. Yes, correct. So instead, yeah. Yeah, in addition to your tea and coffee, yep. they would yeah, have okay. jamu. Yeah, correct. There's something called bandrek. Oh, bandrek yeah, yeah. is that spicy drink. Ah, a lot of Indonesian like hotels that, yeah. will have it in their buffet table for breakfast. Mm-hmm. It's this warming gingery tree. Uh, yes, tea, I like that you know? too. Mm-hmm. Quite, quite lovely. Me too, yeah. yeah. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, now I miss Indonesia. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Haven't been in a while. So, what is next on your travel bucket list? Now I'm undecided whether I want to go to Seoul or to Busan. So but do both. It, no, the time is too short. So, oh. so I'm, I'm still contemplating. Whether it's Seoul or Busan, it's just an exciting experience. I just want to go to South Korea and see how it is. But you're not a K-pop or no, K-drama not, fan. But I do like Korean food, though. Uh, ah, yeah. Actually, quite surprising that you've never been. I know. <laughs> and in the summer. In the summer, yeah. You're asking for trouble, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told that many times, but I'm taking but the risk. you were in summer in Barcelona. Too. That's, That's true. Big deal. That's true. Yeah. It was like true. 40 degrees there. So. And Puerto Rico as well. And yeah, summer, also yeah. about the same. So. It's okay. You're obviously not afraid of the no, sun. No, I'm not afraid of the sun, so it's fine. <laughs> How about you, Rajan? I am going to Sri Lanka next month. Oh! I agree. I missed it the last time, three years ago. I was supposed to actually go with him, uh, with another friend of ours, you know, uh, but it didn't happen. They went, mm. I didn't. So this time around, I'm going to make that trip to Sri Lanka. Whereabouts in Sri it's Lanka? It's going to start in Colombo, but I've been advised by people who've been there to also go all the way down south to Gaul. Um, Gaul is an amazingly beautiful coastal town. Yes. Uh, but I've not decided because I do not know whether I'm going to have enough time. And there's just so much to see in uh, Colombo itself. Still planning, but I actually like to like take it easy and see where path leads me kind of thing. You know? And now, from what my readings and all, uh, Sri Lanka is like getting better with its economy and everything, but a lot of help is required. So it's good to go to help the local economy by traveling there and, and giving their business, giving your business to them as well, you know. And that's how the economy can flourish as well through tourism. So yeah, why not? I'm excited for you because Sri Lanka is something I enjoyed so much. Right? I mm. went to a few towns and cities around. Such as, such I think, as. Uh, yeah, I, I went to Nuwarelia, ah, nice. went to Sigiria. Candy um, as well, Candy right? the as well, Gaul as yeah. well. Actually, we hit quite a few places. <laughs> uh, took that train, the famous train. Oh, the one that goes Saw all the some way down south. UNESCO yeah. uh, oh. heritage, heritage sites. sites. Yeah. There's so much to see. And then the national parks, see the elephants, mm. see, was it a tiger? I also want to see the crabs, but on my plate. Because <laughs> <laughs> we like as famous or crab dishes. That know? is true, but I don't think I actually had crab. But I had some some great food. I enjoyed yeah, the food. Me too. Me famous too. For food was crab so good. dishes. You know, like like that famous restaurant called the Ministry of Crab. That, that's super famous, but super expensive. So you're not going? No, I'm not going there because apparently there are many other alternatives there as well. So you don't have to. That was a celebrity hangout. So yeah, <laughs> why spend money? You know, when you go and spend some and you know, at a normal restaurant or something like that. Yeah, Sri Lanka, here I come. You know. If you had to recommend a lesser known place, like a hidden gem, do you have one in mind mm. around Southeast Asia? Right. Or South Asia? Yeah, South Asia, Asia. I would say Silangit. Lake, Lake Toba. Toba, yeah. I think it's not given enough credit. It's such a beautiful place, uh, so peaceful. If you want to write a book, that's where you go. 
yeah. Uh, if you want to work as well, that's where you go because you can sit by the window and watch the, the lake. lake, and it's just beautiful, so stunning. And the so. temperature is always cool mm. and, and calm. Yeah, it's just yeah. like it's also a great place for meditation. I think, yeah, like you do you want your retreats and all that. All the resorts are built uh, in such a way that they face the. the the lake and the mountains. Mm. Imagine you get that's your view every day, you know, and then just it, remember in Jurassic Park how the mountains of Hawaii were shown? <laughs> it has that feel because oh. these are all volcanic mountains. So the similarity with the, the Hawaiian mountains in Jurassic Park. Minus the dinosaurs. Yeah, minus the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> of course. But but that's the kind of beauty, you know. So I totally agree with Greg on that one. Silangit is an mm. amazing uh, Lake Toba is an amazing place to visit. I know AirAsia flies from Jakarta to Silangit. We have not resumed KL Silangit, but we do fly to Medan. And now there's a new uh, road that apparently has been built from Medan to Lake Toba. Cuts short your uh, journey. So yeah, it's, it's quite accessible by road as well now. My personal suggestion would be a lesser known place, Danang, but not so much Danang, Hoi An. Yes. Hoi An is just out of this world. What about it is out of this it's, world? It's that feel that this town has never moved away from its 1930s feel. It's like stuck in that bubble kind of thing, you know, and it's just like they've managed to retain that heritage historical element so well and the colours and that, that, that lifestyle that it projects and everything, it's, it's pretty amazing. So Hoi An is awash in this mustard yellow colour. Mm. Not just that, they got all, it's actually like literally a Nippon paint store, <laughs> but in a very pleasing manner kind of thing, you know, the colours and then in the evenings with the lanterns and then the, the boat rides and everything, you know, and it's in a fantastic place for food as well. Mm, and means food, uh, seafood is dirt cheap in Da Nang. Mm-hmm. If, if you love anything from the ocean, that's the place to go to. Yeah, Vietnamese cuisine is already so delicious and it's very affordable. And healthy. Extremely and healthy. healthy. Yes. <laughs> Everything is herbs and whatnot, you see. And then Hoi An is like, plus that historical feel, the historical atmosphere that you get out of that, you know. It, it's a highly recommended place to go. But the beach, you've got modern life and you've got heritage and historical sites and they're all like nearby, 30-40 kilometres away from each other. And I think nearby Hue, Hue. Hue is the... And the Bana Hills the, as well. Yeah, the Bana Hills mm. and all. There's so much to do. And uh, Danang is actually quite popular with Koreans. Yes, but very. But I think Southeast mm. Asians, maybe not so. Yeah, maybe not you know? so. Yeah, so... Because I was just there a month ago, you know, so yeah, that's another place I would recommend. I was also there a few months ago, and I would say what amazes me is that despite the number of people who are visiting, it can still retain that charm. That it small, doesn't... Small town mm-hmm. charm, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. How it can do that take in so many visitors and still feel like, you know, a small yeah. town that you really want to be in. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So we've come to the end of our chit-chat today with Rajan and Greg of SEO Team. Before we go, do you have any last words to the travelers who might be listening to us? Just go and travel. Don't wait. <laughs> yeah, just travel. We, we were made to wait for three years. True. So do your revenge travel if you have to. Go and do it now. Don't wait for some major holiday to come. If there's a weekend you can get away, take one additional day, just go. Don't need to be another country, another continent to go to Malacca, go. <laughs> if you need to go to Lanka, we just go. <laughs> Don't be so caught up in getting the finest uh, hotel to stay in. You know, something budget can also be equally good, you know. Just pack and go. Enjoy the world out there. 
just travel. There's just travel. so much yeah. waiting for you. Correct. There's so much to see and so much to do. Just travel. Well spoken from two people who can't seem to stay in one place. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Rajan and Greg, for thank joining us today. Thank you so much, Thank you for thank having you us. I wish we had more time, but you know, <laughs> time is in limited. In another episode, in another episode. So if you picked up a new idea for your next trip, tell a friend about this podcast. And I'm Abby, and this has been All Stars in Transit, where I talk travel with the people working behind the scenes at AirAsia. Life's a trip. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey.